Blog Talk Radio. If you enjoy mining for gold and silver out of God's holy word, you are going to love A Sheep Speaks with Denise Jeter. A Sheep Speaks combines great Bible truths you might not hear anywhere else with nuts and bolts testimonies of how these truths can be applied to your life. A Sheep Speaks with Denise Jeter starts now. We know that God has not given us a spirit of fear according to the scripture. We also know that we can find out where fear comes from and what problems fear can cause in our lives. And we want to look into what are some of the ways that we can remedy this fear and get rid of it. Good morning. Our text this morning is out of 2 Timothy 1.7, where it says in the word of God, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So just from that scripture alone, we know that it is not the Lord. If we have a spirit of fear coming upon us, it is not coming from our Father. Because the spirit of fear has torment, and he would not torment his children. But what does cause fear? In Isaiah 8.22 It's basically telling us that filling our mind with the world and the things of the world can cause fear. Isaiah 8.22 reads like this, And they shall look upon the earth, and behold trouble and darkness and dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. So God wants us to lift up our eyes and look to the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord, and that is Psalms 121.1. So one thing that can cause fear is where you have your eyes focused, where you have your thoughts focused. If you have your thoughts focused on this earth and the things of the earth, it says you will be driven to darkness, and it will cause trouble and tribulation. But God says in Psalms 121.1 that if we'll cast our eyes upon him and look to the hills from whence cometh our help, that God will minister to us and help us. And in Matthew 8, 23 through 26, it talks about the fact that we can't look at our circumstances without factoring in God because that is our beginning of our lack of faith. And Jesus was speaking in Matthew eight twenty three, and he says, um, and when it says also, it says, when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. But he was asleep. So Jesus didn't have any tribulation. He was asleep in the ship. And his disciples came unto him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now we know the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he could calm that great tempest on the storm for his disciples, whatever tempest you have going on in your life or in your mind right now, God can calm that. He can arise and he can stand and say, peace be still. And so we have to seek the Lord through his word and he will give us that peace that passes understanding. That's one of the things he promises us in his word. 
But we want to see also what are some of the issues or problems that fear causes in our life if we leave it unchecked, if we don't call upon the Lord, if we don't look upon the Lord. It says in 1 John 4.18 that fear has torment. So it can cause, one thing fear causes is torment. You know, would a good parent, a good father, would he torment his own children? And, you know, maybe there are some fathers out there that would torment their own children, but that's not the kind of father we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He would not torment his own children. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So once again, we know that our perfect father would not torment his children. And we can see an example of this in King, King David's life. In 1 Samuel 19.1, you know, Saul had told Jonathan and his servants to kill David in the verses prior to this. And uh, in 1 Samuel 20, verse 1, it says, And David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, what have I done? What is mine iniquity and what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? If you know the scripture, you know that Jonathan was Saul's son. And Saul was seeking to kill David, we know from the passages prior to this. And in verse 2, 1 Samuel 20, verse 2, it says, and this is Jonathan speaking, and he said unto him, God forbid. Thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it to me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. So Jonathan was trying to convince David that, no, his father wasn't going to do that. And even if he was going to do that, he would tell him, his son, Jonathan. But David said in verse 3, uh, David sware, moreover, and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. But you know, the Lord had already anointed David king to be the next king in Israel. And so he... If David would have been thinking clearly, he would have known. If God, the creator of the universe, has already said that I'm going to be king in Israel, then I'm going to be king in Israel no matter what anyone does. And he would have known that Saul could not take his life. But in 1 Samuel 27, 1 and 2, you know, it talks about the fact that fear warps our thoughts and can cause us to run into the enemy's camp. You know, David was so fearful of Saul that he wound up at one point running into the enemy's camp. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to throw all caution to the wind. And he says, you can't make it in this, in this world or you can't make it in this Christian life. You might as well just go back to Egypt. Go back where you came from because you're not going to make it. But that is a lie. The, uh, you know, Satan is the father of lies. And he cannot tell the truth, the Bible says. And so we see here where David ran back into the enemy's camp because he was so fearful of Saul when once again, like I said before, he should have known that Saul couldn't touch him. 
If God had said he's going to be king in Israel, he was going to be king in Israel. So we need to hold on to the promises of God because all the promises of God are yea and amen. And we can count on them and rely on them and lay our head upon them and rest at night, knowing that God's not a man that he should lie. And in 1 Samuel 27, 1, it says, and David said in his heart. So now David's reasoning with himself. You know, he's letting his thoughts go astray, and he's reasoning in his heart when he probably should be praying and asking the Lord what to do. But it said, and David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And so there you have it. That's exactly what the enemy's trying to get you to do. That's what he wants you to do. He's saying, this isn't working. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be killed in this place. I might as well go back into sin where I came from. I might as well go back to the alcohol. I might as well go back to to uh, Egypt, so to speak. And that is not true. We need to cleave to the Lord with all our heart because he says he's never sent any temptation, that he will not make a way of escape. And so we have that promise. We need to hold on to those precious promises. And then it says, and Saul shall despair of me. In other words, David's telling himself that if he goes into the land of the Philistines, Saul will leave him alone. It says, uh, and Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. And so that's what the enemy tells you when he tells you his little schemes. He says, look, this is a way out. This is an easy way out. You don't have to have to do those hard things you don't have to pray and fast and seek the lord and read his word that's hard just go back to the enemy's camp just come back over here where i'll let you do whatever you wanted to do and once again he's a liar and he's setting a trap when he tells us things like that he is setting a trap for our feet and so going to the enemy's camp is never a good idea we know if we know the rest of that story that he sojourned in ziklag and it wasn't long before Ziklag was burned to the ground, his wives and all their children and his, his fellow um, fighters, their children and their wives were all taken captive. All their homes were burned to the ground. And his uh, compadres there even spoke of stoning him. And that's what the enemy will prepare for you. He'll, make, he'll paint a pretty picture. He'll make it look good. But it's not going to be good. It might be good for a season you know this the bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season but boy the enemy has got a trap set for you and he will let you have pleasure for just a little while and then he'll burn your ziklag down amen so we don't want to fall for his tricks and his lies and go back to the enemy's camp amen so we see what we can find out though from scripture what some of the remedies for fear are you know there is a way of escape other than the way the enemy wants to tell tell you to escape. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it's talking about the fact that we need to turn to the only one who can calm our hearts and minds and pray. It says, be careful for nothing. One translation says, be anxious for nothing. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you all anxious and excited and you have to do something right this minute. He doesn't want you to take time to be calm and think about, think things through. I know I heard Kathy Lee Gifford one time say they didn't think things through. You know, we have to go beyond the immediate fix and think about the consequences that go with the, that fix. 
I heard someone say one time that uh, you can control your decisions, but you cannot control the consequences. You're free to make those decisions, but you don't know what the bad consequences are going to be. So we need to think things through. Amen. But like I was saying in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Be careful for nothing or be anxious for nothing, but in everything. How many things? Everything. I know I heard Jeff Easter say one time, his dad told him, he said, Don't do anything without praying about it first. And that is good advice, my friend. Don't do anything. Don't get on the computer. Don't try to, we don't get in the car and drive up the big city of Houston. We don't go anywhere with, if we don't pray and ask the Lord to protect us. And that's a good rule of thumb is to pray before you do anything. Amen. So be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You give God thanks before uh, you see the results before you see the answered prayer you can thank him because you know his character and you know that he's a man that he would not lie and all of his promises are yea and amen so you can thank him in advance it says with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto god and then what will happen well verse 7 tells us what will happen and the peace of god which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this is very true. I know one time um, my mom was facing some surgery, and it was, um, actually it was a test, but it was a very severe test, and I, I knew the outcome could, in my opinion, could be worse than death. So I couldn't sleep that night. I was tossing and turning, anxious, troubled, no peace, had no peace to sleep. And uh, this verse came to my mind, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I encourage you, if you don't have that written down or if you don't already know about that verse, to write that down. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And I began to read this verse. The Lord laid it on my heart over the situation with my mom that was causing me to lose my peace and to lose my sleep. And it says, once again, we'll read it again because it's so precious and so perfect. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. In other words, there's nowhere else you could get this peace. It's beyond anyone's comprehension. It's beyond understanding. This peace that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God says, I can give you peace when you're having a sleepless night, when there's no way you can stop worrying about this thing that you're worrying about. When you see no hope in sight, you can pray this prayer, read this verse, and sometimes you have to read it over and over again. I know that particular night that I'm talking about, I was probably reading this six or seven times, praying it back to the Lord and holding on to it and taking a hold of this promise and saying, Lord, you said, you know, Charles Spurgeon often says that we can pray God's promises back to him. It's like when you were a parent, 
and you told your little children, okay, I'm going to take you to the swimming pool in 30 minutes. Okay, so they ask you five dozen times in that 30 minutes if you're still taking them to the swimming pool. And, you know, you say, yes, yes, yes. And But they say to you, Mom, you said. Mom, you said you were taking us to the swimming pool. Mom, when, when, when? And you can pray that way to the Lord. You can say, Lord, you said that if I, if I cast my cares on you and I pray and I give you thanksgiving, that you will give me this peace. God, I need this peace of mind, Lord. You said, you said in your word you would give it to me. And we can pray those promises just like that, just like little children. You know, the Bible says in one place that except you become as a little child, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And so he wants us to pray to him like little children and pray his promises back to him and say, Lord, you told me. There's many promises in my life that the Lord told me sometimes 20 years ago, sometimes 30 years ago, and I haven't seen them. Some of them I have. Many, many prayers I've, I've had answered. But there's many that I'm still bringing to the Lord every day. And I'm saying, Lord, you said, you told me that my end would be better than my beginning. You told me that when I got to the place that I was going, I was going to fit perfect. You told me, and so so it goes over and over again. You know, there was a, uh, it says in the Bible, there was an unjust judge and it said that this lady came to him pleading for something from him and he didn't fear it said he did not fear god nor man and he wasn't going to do this for this lady he he said that you know he there was no way he was going to do this but it said for her importunity that he finally did it because she was coming every day every day every day and finally she wore him down And finally, he did it. And that's just a picture of how the Lord wants us to continue to bombard heaven with our prayers. And, you know, that does, in a way, that sounds kind of silly. Well, now, if God's going to answer that prayer, and he knows you're not going to stop coming, then why in the world doesn't he just answer it and get it over with? And I used to wonder that same thing. And, you know, I found over the years that one of the reasons that that happens is because he's trying in the process of us praying that prayer and coming to him every day. He is teaching us to build a relationship with him. He is teaching us to trust him. He's trying to teach us that he's our only hope that we can scheme and connive and manipulate and figure out all these different schemes and none of them are going to work because only God himself can give us the answer because he wants us to draw closer to him. It says in the word that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and them that are the called according to his purposes. But the very next verse tells you what that purpose is. And that purpose is to make you more like his son, Jesus Christ. And so the reason God doesn't sometimes always answer our prayers the minute we pray them is because before he changes our circumstances sometimes, he's trying to change our heart and make us more dependent on him and make us seek him daily. You know, there was a reason why the Lord gave the children of Israel manna every day and he told them they could not um, get enough for two days and save it because it would turn to worms he did not want them to get five days worth of manna and go back to their homes and not come and talk to him every day 
And so he was teaching him a lesson, and he was teaching us a lesson that we need to come to our Father daily and talk to him and get close to him because as we get close to him, we become more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants us to be in fellowship with him every day. He longs to have a close relationship with you because his heart is a father's heart. And just like a father, he says in one place, just as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth his children. And he's, he is a great father, and he's no different from us. He wants to have a close relationship with us. And so that's one of the reasons why we need to continue to come to the Lord on a daily basis. And we see in Philippians 4, 8, he wants to change the way we think. And we can change the way we think with the Lord's help. The Lord actually tells us what to think about. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, now after all these other things I've told you, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are good of a good report, If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. God wants to tell us what to think about. You know why? Because the enemy wants to come in and wants you to think about. Think about all the things you have to do tomorrow. Think about how hard it's going to be. Think about how defeated you are. Think about how you're going to make mistakes. He wants to put fear in your mind. The Lord wants you to think about these things so that the enemy can't shoot those fiery darts into your mind and make you fearful and anxious. And so if we'll think about the things in Philippians 4, 8, which are the very things the Lord instructs us to think about, we won't have time to believe the lies of Satan and all those doubts and fears he wants to put in your mind. And Philippians 4.9 says that he also wants to change those things that we do. It says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the Lord of peace shall be with you. So he doesn't want us to be a hearer of the word only. He wants us to be a doer of the word. You know, it says many things derogatorily about people who just hear the word but they don't do the word. He says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And in 2 Corinthians 4.13, if we're going to follow Paul's example, then we have to have a spirit of faith rather than a spirit of fear. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. So, you know, when you're talking in just a regular conversation with your friends, if you don't believe things are true, most likely you're not going to say them. So the Lord is very interested in what we say. You know, in one passage it says the power of life and death are in the tongue. And so he wants us to speak words of faith. You know, if you think if you sit there and talk to somebody and you say, you know, I have something to do tomorrow and I really don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And I, I just don't believe I think it's too hard. My boss has given me something that's too hard to do. Then probably you're going in with the wrong mindset and the wrong words. 
and those words are speaking death over your situation. So you should either not say anything or you should say, you know, I believe that the Lord wouldn't let them give me something he wouldn't help me do. You know, the Lord says in his word that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. So sometimes we can get, I'm not saying we don't have problems. I had so many problems many years ago that I I sometimes wish the Lord would just take me home instead of making me face the day that I had coming up the next day. But the Lord says, my mercies are new every morning. And he says, as your days are, so shall your strength be. So he's saying, if you wake up, I'm going to give you the strength for the day. Amen. As your days are, so shall your strength be. So we see in Psalms 27.1 that the Lord is keeping, we need to keep the Lord in the forefront of our mind as our light and our salvation. He is our hope. He is our strong tower that we can run into when we have problems. He is our peace that passes understanding. Everything we need is in him. I heard a preacher say one time, you know, you think, talking to the congregation, he said, you think you need money. You think you need uh, the situation to change. He said, but what you really need is Jesus Christ. You need to get closer to Jesus Christ because all the answers to your problems are found in Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> and so we see in Psalms 27:1 it says it is a it is a psalm of David and it says the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And what David's saying here, he's saying, who can do anything without permission from the Lord? You know, even in the book of Job, all the things that came against him, Satan had to go and get permission before he could touch Job. And then the Lord gave him restrictions how far he could go. So nothing can come in your life without the hand of your father. And if he's allowed it, he's going to see you through it. And he's going to make you a better person through it. Amen. And in 2 Timothy 1, 11 through 13, it talks about the fact that we should not be ashamed of our faith. It says, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. This is Paul speaking. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Jesus Christ. And so we see there that Paul saying, I'm not going to be ashamed. I know whom I have believed, and I know that he's going to give me the strength for my days. And we have, as always, we read out of Apples of Gold, a devotional in rhyme. We're going to be reading out of February the 4th today. And this is a scripture that goes right along with our lesson. As a matter of fact, it was in our lesson. And a little poem goes along with each one of these scriptures in this devotional. That's why it's called a devotional in rhyme. First John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. And the poem reads, if the enemy is bringing on you fear through your thoughts 
or through those you hold dear. This, my friend, is not the work of God. We must take authority and over the enemy trod. Amen. So we see that we have authority over the enemy and that if we keep our focus on God rather than letting the enemy come in and shoot those fiery darts into our mind and putting fear into our mind, then we can keep our mind. You know, he cannot defeat you unless he defeats you in your mind first. And uh, so if we can keep our mind on Jesus, we can, we can definitely get the victory. And I encourage you, if this is spoken to you, please follow me, share this uh, podcast, and like my page. Uh, my website is www.asheepspeaks.org. That's www.asheepspeaks.org. There you can find links to my website, I mean to my Facebook page, my YouTube channel, and all of my contact information. The, the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Zulon Press. I also have a few copies if you'd like to email me for one. I'm available to sing or speak uh, or minister in gospel storytelling at your church or your ladies' event. And I am also here on uh, the podcast every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. So once again, I invite you to please follow and share and like my podcast. It will help me reach more people and get this word out that God loves them and God is waiting for them to call upon his name so that he can answer their prayers. I want to thank you once again for stopping by, and I ask you to meet me here next Tuesday. Thank you.